Welcome to Resilient Minds 365, where we discuss the resilient stories of entrepreneurs, professionals, and students with mental illnesses to encourage you to strive, thrive, and live in abundance. I'm your host, Cleone Crawford. Welcome to Resilient Minds, everyone. This is Cleone Crawford. I'm your host. So today, guys, we have a special guest. As you know, my guests are always very special. So today we have Jonathan Tucker with us. Jonathan, after studying personal development for a number of years, Jonathan has built a wealth of experience that he wants to pass on to A, his students, and B, as many people as possible. After losing the, his best friend to a rare heart condition at the age of 24, Jonathan pursued many physical challenges to heal the pain he was going through. Unbeknown of mental challenges, he was avoiding his journey. Avoiding. His journey through grief has led to launching the purpose cycle, a concept to manifest and build towards your goals. So with that said, I now present to you, Jonathan Tucker. How are you, Jonathan? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me on. It's a huge honor to be on the show. How are you doing today, Cleone? I'm doing fantabulous, and that's my word. Amazing. I made it up. Fantabulous. <laughs> I may have to pinch that and bring it into the UK if that's okay. <laughs> no problem. Take it if you leave. if you need it, take it. Uh, it is for sale. Actually, it's Thank not you. for sale. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> even better yeah even better okay so we're gonna get right into the interview so tell us more about your profession so uh by day i am a primary school teacher which will be an elementary school uh teacher uh, for those u.s listeners uh, around the sort of eight to eleven age group and uh, i've been doing that now for oh i'd say maybe four years uh, prior to that I was a soccer coach, um, including spending some time in the US for around a year in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I've just always been really passionate about educating people, whether it was in sports or uh, through, through teaching, uh, which I do now. And more recently, I've been looking at developing concepts and trying to inspire students. And, and the purpose cycle that you mentioned in the bio actually came from a, a school leaver speech that I composed last year. And it sort of came from there, really. Wow, interesting. It sounds really cool. So the purpose cycle um, to manifest and build towards your goals. Can you expand upon that? Yes. So uh, basically, I was trying to sort of put into words the sort of journey that you go on. And I wanted to explain to the students the journey that I went on um, from obviously going through difficulties, which we'll talk about later on. And ultimately manifesting them into what I wanted to become, which was a teacher. And then at the end of my goal, when I became a teacher, I realized, well, you know, read lots of books on how to get from A to B and how to do this and that. And I realized actually it's a cycle because then it, start, it starts again. I want, I want to become something else and I want to level up and continuously look to build my life up until ultimately fulfillment, which will probably come you know, for many people in later life when they can sit back, you know, on their old rocking chair on the deck and think, what a life. So, so uh, basically that is the concept of the purpose cycle in a nutshell. And I'm currently writing a book and developing a podcast Ooh. to explain it in further detail, really. And the name of your podcast is? It's the Purpose Cycle Podcast. Okay. Uh, which is 
it's launching uh, on Spotify and things February February time. So I'll have to I'll have to return the favor, Cleone, and come and appear on that as well. Yeah, no worries, no worries. So um, the purpose cycle. What? Um, so we understand what what um, pushed you towards it. Um, hmm. Yeah, we understand what it pushed you towards it. So with that said, I'm gonna go into my next question. We're gonna dive yeah. right into the interview. So, no what is your mental health diagnosis, and when were you diagnosed? So, I was actually initially diagnosed with social anxiety in around 2015 and 2016. Um, I just found myself at various points. Uh, it, you know what? It actually resonated with me the interview that you did with um, Dave Tyler. Yeah. Uh, another British guest that you had because mm -hmm. he mentioned about cancelling events, making excuses. And that was pretty much the same story with me. I, I admit I'd like he sat in my bed, you know, feeling under the weather, so to speak. But actually, I was just sort of going through the motions of feeling under the weather physically, whereas it was actually mentally I was feeling really under the weather and, and not very well. And it would happen. You know, I would be sort of one of those characters who would you know, be really happy to organize the plans and had all of these big ideas. But then when it came to it, it, it never, it never happened for me. All of my friends would go out and enjoy it. And I first started to know it at university. Uh, I was the head coach of the soccer team and we went uh, undefeated for the full season and, and was nominated for a trophy, uh, a really special award at, at the university awards. And, you know, as the head coach, I made sure it, all of the players had tickets, all our transports, the event, who, you know, all, purchasing our suits getting really excited when it came to the night I actually um I, I lit my my hometown was two hours away from my university and I actually uh, got on a, a coach and went back to my hometown without telling anybody because I just couldn't face appearing there and it was it was a real shame because we won the award and I wasn't there to collect the accolade and it, it began to become a real obstacle to sort of successes and and social events that you know I should have been at Totally understand that. I mean, it sounds like you struggled with a little bit of execution when you're going through your your journey. It, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I would want to do things, but then when it came to it, I had this sort of crippling numbness that didn't allow me to do so. And um, ultimately, um, we'll we'll talk about this probably later on. But um, I did lose my best friend in 2014 due to a heart condition and he was out of hospital for a short period of time mm -hmm. and he organized a, a night where we could all go around and play poker and just you know have fun and talk and um again it happened again to me and you know all of my friends were supposed to go and they did and I didn't go and unfortunately that was the last time um that my friend saw my friend Stephen and it became really difficult to live with that you know um following obviously his death I, I will constantly punish myself for that reason. And it didn't take, it took me such a long time to really, I don't know, digest it and process that and actually realize it, it wasn't me. It was my illness or condition that, that exactly. prevented me from seeing my friend. Right. Wow, wow. I totally get that. And that leads me to my next question then, uh, which is to tell us your mental health story of resilience. What happened? Uh, um, tell us more about how, you know, what your mental health was looking like and how you were able to be resilient and bounce forward. So the, the first step really was to, to have a, a realization of myself. And 
um, it, almost like a difficult conversation that you don't want to have with a colleague or a difficult conversation with a family member. It's as equally as difficult to have that conversation with yourself and, and face up and think, look, this is the issue and I need to address it. And it's not really that highly publicized for, for men my age in the UK, it certainly wasn't at the time, to go out and, and speak to somebody uh, and talk about the issues that you're having, especially in the environment in which I worked in. I worked in a professional soccer environment and it was just not spoken about. Uh, right. it, uh, and and that's, that is a gender stereotype that has slowly, slowly drifted away over time. And, and we are working at that and making great strides towards that. But at that time, and it's not many years ago, you know, only, you know, seven or eight years ago, Mm-hmm. It just wasn't spoken about. So I, I did sort of bottle things up and, and keep things under the carpet, so to speak, for such a long time. And until basically, it, you know, it broke down relationships with both, you know, girlfriends or, or you know, friends, uh, even family members at times. I became very much on my own and isolated. And it was, I was almost crying out for help, but I was pushing people away at the same time. Yeah. So as a man, what was that doing towards your manhood? You know, um, it was just, you know, I, I would, dis- you know, go out and disappear for, for long walks and things for quite some time. Um, I would become completely closed in. And for someone who has a social job, so to speak, I was a soccer coach. I had to put on a performance yeah. every, every single day. Right. Mm. Right. And, and especially because it was to, to young kids, you know, 10, 11 years old, these uh, aspiring professional soccer players. Mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to put on this performance of being full of energy, full of joy uh, all the time. And then even when you go into the workplace after into the office and there's, you know, that sort of banter that's taking place between people, you know, what's up with you? You know, sort yourself out. You, mm-hmm. you know, you look miserable. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, little things like that. But you think <laughs> I, I, it's because I am. Uh, and you can't really talk about things like that. And it was really strange because I was sitting in a psychology seminar with my team, with my young uh, team, 11 years old, and they were getting that education from the sports psychologist, you know, how to you know, speak out, talk about things, um, anxiety, because it's a high-pressure environment, and the, the players were getting taught how to cope with these high-pressure situations. And I thought... I need that, you know, obviously in a different environment, but I need that. So um, I ended up seeking help and eventually getting some therapy. Wow. That sounds quite exhausting, you know, like. It yeah. does. It, it feels like a really, really old mobile phone, cell phone. Uh, <laughs> when and the, and the battery is, you know, pretty much, you know, it needs to be on charge all the time. Right. And as soon as you take it off charge, it drains. It drains so quickly. Within a couple of hours, you need to charge it again. It's very much like that. If I could compare it to any sort of metaphor, it would be that. And that is basically the social anxiety that I was going through university days. I mean, to be honest, ever since I turned 18, um, because obviously the drinking age in the UK was 18, you start going out uh, to nightclubs and things. And I would just try and mask it by drinking lots and it's quite an unhealthy relationship when you look back at it Mm -hmm. you know at the time a lot of people say well that's what you like when you're young and you're going out partying all the time but really um I was doing that for for reasons just to try and become a new person because Mm -hmm. I just couldn't deal with that and really cope with that that social situation I'm very much an introvert anyway 
Um, and I really like Simon Sinek's definition of introverts and extroverts. And if you're an introvert, you know, you, you're almost getting it, you, you, you're spending tokens constantly and you feel depleted by the end of a social interaction. Whereas if you're an extrovert, you're gaining tokens and you feel rich and full of life afterwards. And that I was very much drained and exhausted by the end of each sort of scenario. Wow. Yeah, I'm an extrovert, definitely. I receive energy when I'm around people. And that's why, unfortunately, with the um, pandemic, it's quite challenging for me as an extrovert to not have that social connection with other people, which, you know, thankfully, um, I, I have a support system of friends and family that I can actually reach out to. But it can just be challenging, you know, to um, I can only imagine how many people around the world who are going through this pandemic and are losing friends, I mean, don't have access to friends and they're not seeing people, they're not hugging people, they're not kissing people, you know what I mean, on the cheek, the, the two kisses, you know, they're not yeah. able to do any of these basic things that we take for granted. And um, yeah, so totally understand, totally hear you. Yeah, and it's crazy because I was just thinking about that as well, because I've got lots of friends who are extroverts and I sort of do have a little bit of that side to me because of the, the nature of my work as well, my profession being a teacher, you have to be able to sort of get up and do a lot of speaking. Um, but that's happened over time and we'll talk about sort of the journey, but even doing this, having to having to stay at home and, uh, and stay away from people, I would much prefer talk about to talk about this sort of thing with you on a podcast on my own rather than to sit with my group of friends now and discuss some of the things that we've been through over the last 10 years and it is it's crazy to think and uh, people who are listening might think well why, why can't you feel like you can talk to his friends I've got a great set of friends and I absolutely adore all of them but it's just so difficult I feel to to have as my personality to have that and I'm still working on myself now to this day I've become very comfortable speaking out about my mental health with uh, my fiance who's an excellent listener and very understanding and i think it's all about the process and making sure that you can take baby steps i'm not wanting to go and speak to a group of 10 12 people about mm -hmm. things but i can speak to you i can speak to other individuals about things then i will slowly and surely build up that confidence amazing amazing so what did you have to do to overcome or bounce back from your low points list all resources mm. that are applicable so basically from that social anxiety came a really hard hitting case of grief um mm -hmm. my, my friend Stephen had lost his, his his battle with a disease called giant cell myocarditis mm -hmm. and it was from around april may time 2014 and he ended up dying in october just shy of his, his 24th birthday and a lot of we, we didn't really know anything about myocarditis at the time. We thought he was invincible because he was the epitome of health. He played um, professional soccer uh, in his youth ages, played tennis to a high standard, um, loved going and working out at the gym. And it was this illness that seemed to affect older people. And it basically, it's, it's when your heart sort of slowly deteriorates and stops carrying oxygen and it, it slowly dies basically. So he needed a transplant and it was, upon the transplant where he, it, um, he passed away. Wow. And from that point, the impact of that completely knocked away anything that I was internally suffering with before this, uh, this social anxiety, because this grief became something that my friends and I shared. So it wasn't a, a, an individual battle anymore. It was something that we shared together. And I remember being sat in one of my friend's uh, houses and we were all just sat around the table silent. 
and I felt like that was the time to then be able to to come together as a group and share feelings and really talk and that was the beginning for me just just speaking out and just saying about how I feel and it was it was quite uplifting and it felt like a huge weight had been lifted off my shoulders just to say not nothing about my own social anxiety but just about how I was feeling about the grief because then it felt somebody else would open up and it was a, a butterfly effect so to speak so th the first thing I did was in, not not you know even maybe a week later my mind where I'm very much project orientated and mm. that's just the way I cope with with grief I always like to be busy I don't like to be alone with my thoughts quite a lot I like to be busy and um I said right we need to to do a soccer event and we need to try and get the word out about myocarditis because we had no idea how we didn't we didn't think it was deadly we just thought oh Steve will get over it it's fine 23 years old, you know, really healthy. He's going to be fine. And we need to get that story out. So me and my friends worked on this project together. And that was something that began to really, I don't know, just process things really. And what, what I saw in hindsight was actually it was delaying what we were truly feeling because mm -hmm. we were keeping our minds busy and we were working on things. But at the time we felt like we were dealing with things. And I'm not sure if, if the listeners are, or yourself have had that before where you sort of just, like I say, sweeping things under the rug uh, and delaying, yeah. delaying the processing phase really. Definitely. But you know, the one thing that I liked about your point is, you know, you were talking about the importance of community, you know, like just connecting with people because yeah. um, that, the energy, depending, you know, that you feel between is, is powerful on it, on itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah. So it was, it was crazy because I didn't have to be in a performance. I didn't have to be on a night out full of energy. I could just be John and, and my friends were like, you know, we're the same, we're all hurting. And, and yeah, that was just, that community was definitely the case. Um, and we'll obviously talk about some of the other challenges later on that I had I felt like I had to do individually but mm -hmm. I should have always I should have always fought back to that moment when we were all sat together and thought we're actually in this together throughout it's not one individual battle right right so my next question is what three things would you wish you had available when you were at your lowest point so the first one uh, was probably an understanding from my peers uh, prior to the grief um, mm -hmm. I, I I did undertake quite a lot of things to try and like mask what was happening. Like uh, I said, like you said in the bio, the, the physical challenges. So like I've run marathons, um, climbed mountains and tried to do all these different challenges to put my body under that extreme stress to try and feel some sense of achievement. But the crazy thing is, um, despite all of the things that I've you know, attempted and, and managed to accomplish, which I'm proud of, but the thing I'm most proud of is probably the battle that, nobody's aware of and uh, aware of and that was the psychological battle to process grief effectively and move on with my life and understanding from my peers was probably the first thing that I wish I had available now what I'd like to extend on in that point is mm -hmm. I probably would have had that understanding from my peers I will have had that and a lot of listeners who who are listening to the show need to understand that you you do have the understanding from your your friends your close friends, family, your close circle. It's just about having the, the courage to talk and just having that, having to open up that conversation. 
That's right. the first one. Right, right. The yeah. second one? Uh, a mentor or a guide. Somebody who yeah. has been through that before. Uh, I did actually, when we, we went in the process of setting up the charity for my friend, we ended up from that soccer event, we turned over 10,000 10, pounds in the, um, in the event and we, we launched a charity. And I did speak to people who had been in the same situation. I was asking them all charity-based questions and you know how they, how they did this, how they did these projects. What I should have said was, how did you get through what you had to go through? Because mm -hmm. these people were 10 years older than me and I should have realized that really I needed a mentor or a guide in order to, to help me get through the anxieties that I, I was having at the time. Cool. And number three. The third one is uh, purpose. Basically, I just wish oh. that I had uh, quite obviously absolutely named with the, the concept, but that's because I was looking for that purpose. I was I was a soccer coach, but it, it doesn't particularly pay amazingly. And it's nothing that I could have made a full career out of. And mm. um, it was fantastic because I was working for my my team that I supported as a boy. Uh, and that was really nice. But that, that can only really get you so far when you want to progress through your, your 20s into your 30s and, and, and move on and, and, you know, meet somebody and develop a relationship, buy a house and all of these different things. I wanted to, to find my purpose. And I was like, but at the same time, I have to do something that I, I'm really passionate about and that I care about. I can't just go into any job. I have to be happy in what I do. And that's obviously when I, I, I just, well, I didn't discover teaching, obviously, but I just thought, well, let's, let's go for it. Uh, it was actually at school I was coaching soccer at, and I said, you know what, you'd make a great teacher because you don't just teach soccer, you talk about life lessons and resilience um, and all of these different things. And I thought, actually, I'd like to give it a try. And here we are today. <laughs> wow, amazing. Was there something I wanted to mention? Um, it skipped me, but those are three really good points. So, um, what words of hope can you give our listeners today? So what I'd like to just basically say to, to all of the listeners, like I said before about obviously opening up that conversation, you'll always have somebody that understands. But for me, there's always a way back uh, from a place where you feel lost or trapped. You know, when you're walking around or, you know, sat there thinking you're at rock bottom, you're not because you realise that you're at rock bottom. Those people who are at, truly at rock bottom don't realize they're oblivious to it and um, there is a life that you can sculpt for yourself in the face of any adversity at all you know you, there's always a way back and there's always you know I, I love a good journey story uh, and you always think about something out of a film but these things do happen in real life and you can sculpt the life that you desire as long as you manifest it love it love 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 it so now we're going to take a switch we're going to turn change um the gears of this episode and talk yeah. about some more fun stuff that i personally love as you can see behind me there's a book and the book is called the music of my life so right now we're going to talk about music therapy so my yeah. question to you is what type of music do you like so um i, I like a wide range of music uh i i, I like sort of r&b um hip-hop and things like that but I've got to say, from my, my visit to the United States in 2013, North Carolina, I love country music. I fell in love with country music over there. No way! Yeah. <laughs> I had to do a, a lot of driving while I was over there to lots of different places to do to coach soccer. And I, I just had country music on all the time because I didn't know which radio stations to pick. And yeah. I just fell in love with country music. That's crazy because, honestly... 
I, I'm very eclectic and I love all types of music, 70s, 80s, 90s, Motown, you know, and rock, a little bit of um, alternative rock, hip hop, R&B, gospel. You know what I mean? I love it all. But guess what I don't like? Country music. Country music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Well, I'm sure we can still get along, so don't worry. As long yeah. as we can touch you in the, in the car, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because that's all I, I had and that it was sort of ingrained into me. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Definitely. So my question to you is, if you were to think of a song that best describes your journey, what would it be and why? Okay, so I'm going to cheat a little bit on this one and, and pick two. Um, but okay, the first... Cool. The first one uh, was is a Kanye West song because I, when I was younger, I just loved Kanye West, growing up with, with Kanye West, basically. And there's a, a line from his first album from the song Through the Wire. And he says, but I'm a champion, so I turn tragedy to triumph. And that is just something that just really does strike me. I just love that line, a tragedy, yeah. triumph. I just love that. And that is exactly what I said before, you know, when you can come back from the face of adversity. And because he actually performed, wrote and performed that song when his jaw was wide shut after an almost fatal car crash. So, and, and that was part of his inspiration behind writing the song. So I just absolutely love that line. And that was something that stuck with me since I was, what, maybe 13? So, That's yeah. crazy, amazing. Um, Triumph is what I'm taking from that. Triumph. And number two, yeah. what's the second one? So it's a song called The Gambler by Kenny Rogers. Yes, I know of it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and basically, it's a it's a huge metaphor for life. My dad's a huge fan of this song as well, actually. So uh, fair play to him. And uh, yeah, obviously, it talks a lot about like gambling and, and poker and things like that and, and holding cards and folding. But actually, it's a metaphor for life. And um you know, it says every hand's a winner, but every hand's a loser. And I think that's a huge, a huge hint at perspective. And when situations happen to you and, and how you can, you know, frame a situation to work in your favor and ultimately, you know, succeed out of it where lots of people may stagnate over, you know, worrying about circumstances that have happened to them. It's about mm -hmm. taking ownership and, and understanding, but also, you know, not being being humble because you know know when to fold them is obviously knowing when actually right okay I need to remain humble so being level-headed and having a great understanding of life I feel is what I get from that song so is that the song know when to hold them is that the That's one, the one. That is the one. To hold them. Yeah. know when to something and know when to walk away yeah I That's like that one. it's a really yeah. good one and, it, and he says as well you never count your money when you're sitting at the table there'll be time <laughs> enough for counting when the dealing's done and I think that's it you know end of like I said before you're on your deck on a rocking chair reminiscing of your life and then you can look back and go yeah wow but whilst you're there you got to make sure you know you keep going yeah amazing so how can we stay in touch with you what are your social media handles so, uh, as you mentioned earlier, my Instagram is at the purpose cycle. And I try to put lots of positive messages on there. I basically run the page as if it's just for me and my own personal page and try to inspire myself each day. But it's things that I want to share with others as well. So at the purpose cycle. Uh, I'm also on lots of uh, uh, podcast platforms. That's the word, such as Spotify, all of those different ones, uh, the purpose cycle podcast. And, and yeah, that, uh, I'm also in the, as we speak today in the in uh, development of a website, which is www.thepurposecycle.com. 
www.thepowerofthenow.com. Ooh, I love it. I love it. And let me know, let, definitely contact me if you need some more direction in regards to how to um, do like media and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yes, definitely. definitely contact you. me because I have some really good contacts in Zimbabwe that basically they have about a thousand employees called Afroblocks. They yeah. are phenomenal, phenomenal. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, they can help you like develop an app if you needed to. So yeah, wow. they're, they're, they're phenomenal. So That'd be amazing, Cleone. Thank you. And also, I'd love to speak to you uh, in more detail about the music therapy side of things. So, you know, whenever you, I'll, I'll drop you an email after this and we'll try and arrange you to come on the Purpose Cycle. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So basically, thank you very much, Jonathan. You have been super fantabulous. That's my new word. Oh, yeah, it. I love it. That's what I'm <laughs> pitching for free. Thank you, Cleone. Huh? Uh, sorry thank you Cleone yeah thank you for having me and I'm definitely going to pinch that word okay no problem so and to all your resilient minds out there until next time please subscribe to us on all our platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts also join the community of resilient minds and sign up for our monthly newsletter at cleonecrawford.com be sure to grab a copy of my book the music of my life and 30 plus one resilient stories um, on all Amazon marketplaces to get to know me better. If you can think of one person that will receive value from today's show or connect with Jonathan's testimonial, please share it with them. Feel free to take a screenshot of this week's episode of the podcast and tag us on Instagram. You can tag myself at only Cleone or Resilient Minds 365 and today's guest at The Purpose Cycle. And remember, mental health is not a death sentence. Despite your illness, you can strive, you can thrive, and you can live in abundance. Until next time, I'm Cleone Crawford, and I'm signing off.